Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, leading him to chapter 5. There are certain places where the average person isn't allowed to get in. Maybe it's at a baseball game and the average person doesn't get to go to the dugout and greet the players. Maybe it's backstage to a concert. You have to get special permissions for that. The office of a CEO to be able to go in there, not just anyone is able to get in. Or maybe it's as you're calling customer service, not just anyone can get through, much less to get through and talk with a supervisor to get your problem resolved. Even if you're able to get to these, what the world would consider significant places, important places, a question you would be asked or uh, would be assumed is, why are you here? And what gives you the right to be able to remain here? There's a sense when we think about this in God, what gives us the right to be able to come into God's presence? God who is holy and awesome, the all-powerful God, the creator of the world who's holy and righteous, what gives us the right to be able to do that, the audacity to be able to come into God's presence? What we see in Hebrews that we have the right, not on our own, but because of Jesus Christ, our great high priest. He is the one who comes before us in God, and we're instructed, we're encouraged from verse 16 of chapter 4 to come boldly into his presence. To not come in a timid way, and well, I, I guess, I, I, not in that sense, but to come boldly into his presence. Why? To receive the grace and mercy that we need in our time of need. So we think about this today. We want to consider how we should keep coming to God uh, for mercy and grace. We should keep coming to God for mercy and grace. This is what the work of Christ admonishes us to do. The writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of Christians who are thinking about going back Uh, under the law, going back to the sacrificial system. They weren't thinking that Christ is that significant and that important. And again and again, he shows throughout this book that Jesus Christ is the important one. He is the eternal God. And here in this passage, it shows us that he is our great high priest. Why should we keep coming to God? Well, Jesus is fully qualified to be our high priest. He is the one who has gone before God the Father on our behalf with the sacrifice of his own self, with his own blood. We want to consider this, how Jesus Christ is fully qualified to be our high priest. We see in chapter 5 that the writer of Hebrews here shows this argument by bringing them back to consider how Israel's high priests were chosen. So Israel high priests, what about them? First of all, they were chosen or taken from among men. That is, they were human. They were taken from among people. In verse 1, for every high priest taken from among men, among the people, is appointed for men in the things pertaining to God. So they were chosen from among the people. And we see in the law that they were chosen of the tribe of Levi. So the priests were human. Secondly, they 
uh, offered gifts and sacrifices at the end of verse 1. These were the things pertaining to God that God had instructed them. And these, the, the gifts and sacrifices, it's a summary term relating to the offerings that they would offer there. And they offered them on behalf of the people. The people weren't just to offer these sacrifices on their own accord to God, but to come through the priests. And then the priests would offer them to God on behalf of the people. Third, the priests were to deal gently with the people because he himself was weak. We see at the end of verse 2, he himself, the high priest, is also subject to weakness. Weakness here is used in the sense of sin. And we see that from verse 3, that he had to offer a sacrifice for his own sins. And so uh, an example of this would be in Leviticus chapter 16, the day of atonement, the priest, the high priest had to first offer the sacrifice for his own sins, and then he would go and offer the sacrifice for the sins of the people. And this reality was to instruct the high priest to have compassion. The beginning of verse 2 says the idea of dealing gently with the people. It was to avoid two extremes. One was the sense of indifference to them and their sin. Well, everybody sins. That wasn't the attitude that he was to have. And the other attitude he wasn't to have was impatience. I can't believe you did this again. Because he would be think of his own life. What sins have I done more than once? And so he was too, as a human who also needed God's forgiveness to deal with the people gently, having compassion on them, Yes, holding the, seeing sin is serious, but yet dealing gently with them as they sinned and reminding them of the forgiveness that could, they could have through Jesus Christ as they offer not Jesus, of, through God, as they offered the sacrifices to God in faith. And God would respond to their faith and forgive them of their sins. He was to deal gently with the people. And fourth, he was appointed to the office by God. There were times in biblical history where someone tried to claim that office of high priest on their own, and it didn't go well. There are times in Israel's history when they claimed that. Uh, they received it as a political favor or by bribery or corruption, but that was never God's intent. God's intent was that he would choose who would be the high priest. And we see that from verse 4, no man takes this honor to himself, or no man should, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. Aaron, the first high priest, was called, chosen by God. He's going to be the high priest. And then his son, and his son after that, and so on. This was to be an office that was chosen. The person there was chosen by God. And so this is what is the background in talking about the high priests in Israel and really this theme that the high priest needs to be chosen by God, this is the emphasis, the heart of the passage. And this is the transition in verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself. He didn't seek that honor, that glory for himself of being high priest. But what is it? But it is he who said to you, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ is the high priest, and who chose him for this role? God did. 
God appointed him as the high priest. And so Jesus Christ, the high priest, was chosen by God. The eternal son. He quotes in Psalm 2, verse 7. He quotes that in chapter 5, verse 5. He's quoted this already in chapter 1, in verse 5. The eternal Son who deserves all honor and glory has been made a priest, and not just a priest, any priest, but a priest forever, and a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He's going to teach much more about this in verse chapter 7, and I would say less than we'd like to know, but that's where he does teach about the priesthood of Melchizedek. And look over there in chapter 7 and verse 3. Speaking of the line of Melchizedek and the priest, the priestly line, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest for continually. And that's going to be the characteristic there. Because he's of the line of Melchizedek, he's not of the line of Aaron. Those priests died. But of the line of Melchizedek, who remains a priest forever, So Jesus Christ continues in that role. God appointed him, chose him to be the high priest, and he still is high priest today. A priest forever. He's chosen by God, and his weakness or his humanness enables him to deal gently with the people. And to make sure that when we speak of his weakness, we're not speaking of his sinfulness. Jesus Christ did not sin. We saw that in chapter 4 and verse 15, yet without sin. But yet, he was human. And as a human, he faced uh, weakness in that sense. We see that in verse 7, in the days of his flesh, in the days when he was here on earth as a human, what did he do? He prayed, and he prayed earnestly to God. Why? Because he needed God's help. And we see an evidence of this, that he prayed throughout his life, but he prayed also in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified. We read about this in Matthew chapter 26, 38 through 42. Then he said to them, his disciples, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this is possible... Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So he's praying. He's praying to God who can save him from death. And God hears him. Not in the sense that he's going to deliver him from the death of the cross. But he hears him and he's going to answer him. He ultimately is going to deliver him from death and raising him from the dead. The sense here, I think, as Jesus is praying to God the Father, we see his humanness, he sees his weakness his dependence upon God. And even though he's the son, verse 8, he learns obedience. And here's an important clarification as well. We often think about learning obedience. That means he didn't obey in the past, and then he learned to obey. 
That is not it at all. Jesus Christ fully obeyed the Father, and each new setting, each new circumstance, he fully obeyed the Father. He learned what it looked like to obey in that situation. And in uh, what the Father wanted of him, we see at the end of verse 8, included suffering. Jesus Christ, and encapsulated at the Garden of Gethsemane, as he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. The Father said, I want you to suffer. Jesus said, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to the cross for you. And he obeyed his Father. Yes. He knew what it was like to face sin. He knew what it was like to be tempted. He knew what it was like to be human. But he never sinned. And in his humanness, it enables him to deal gently with people. So you think Jesus... He's not like the the boss's son who wants all the power and privilege of being the boss's son. Like He likes to be able to tell everyone what to do and have all the money he wants. But then his boss tells him to do something hard. He's like, yeah, right. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus is the son. And his father told him to do something incredibly hard, to go to the cross. He said, okay, I'm going to do this. And the path of obedience. And Jesus Christ, what he did in going to the cross, he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. Beginning of verse 9, and having been perfected or brought to completion, through Jesus' suffering and temptation, he passed the test and was fully qualified to offer himself as the perfect sacrifice. If he had sins, he would have had to have a sacrifice for those sins. But because he was sinless, he could offer himself as the final sacrifice. And that's what we see. He became the author, the source of not just salvation, but eternal salvation. The priests, their offerings, they had to be repeated. Christ's sacrifice, as Hebrews bears out again and again, it was once for all. And so through Jesus is eternal salvation from sins, eternal life with God in heaven through his own sacrifice upon the cross. And how did Jesus Christ get to this place? He was chosen by God to be the final high priest. Called by God, verse 10, as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is why they should not go back to the sacrificial system. This is why they should not go back to the law and its ways of doing things. They should not go back to the Jewish way of worshiping God, but they should cling to Christ. The final high priest has come. His sacrifice for the sins of the world was enough. And we can come to God because of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, as we think about our response to Jesus Christ, first of all, have you come to Jesus for salvation? Have you come acknowledging that you are a sinner guilty of God's judgment, but believing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for you and rose again? 
If you do not come to Jesus, you will have to pay the penalty for your sins. You will have to be eternally separated from God in hell because of the penalty that you rightly deserve. But Jesus Christ has shed his blood for you. He paid the penalty for you. If you have not come to place your faith in Christ, come to him, trust in him today as your savior. He is there. He shed his blood for you. Don't be wondering if you are going to go to be with God in heaven someday. You can know through your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Secondly, if you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, you should come to God with boldness for the mercy and grace that you need. You ever feel like you don't have the right to come? Who am I to come before God? And on your own, you don't, apart from Jesus. We don't have the right to be bold with God and ask him for mercy and grace, but we do because of Jesus. And so we should come. I hope you came to him yesterday for mercy and grace. I hope you come to him today, and you know what? Tomorrow, come to him for mercy and grace. He is the source of your life, your help, your salvation. Keep coming to him. Let your life be bound up in Jesus Christ, your Savior, your great high priest who has made the way for you to come into his presence and keeps that way open because he is the eternal high priest. Yet be discouraged thinking about ourselves, our circumstances, our sin. Let's keep coming. Come to him for mercy and grace. Probably come with that same sin before. Come again. Come yesterday with the same struggle. Come again. As Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12 tells us, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. What great grace and mercy God offers us only because of Jesus Christ. But he does offer us that. May with humble and thankful hearts, but yet with a bold confidence in Jesus, come to him for the mercy and grace that we need each day.